Nurses, we just want to thank you for everything you do. We are ShiftKey.com. Log on today and connect to open PRN shifts in your area. Work when you want, where you want. You can even get paid next day. ShiftKey.com. Start today. Hello, it's lovely to be back on the podcast and more importantly, lovely to be back in Bangalore. I was out. It's one of those things, man. It's weird. I had gone to Madras, Chennai for a gig uh, exactly a week from when this episode is out, a week back. Well, not really a week ahead, a week back. And um, I think it's good to remind yourself why you don't like going to a certain place by going there. Hmm? Does it make any sense? No, it doesn't. But you do it because they're like, oh, can you come and perform? And I love the people who hosted me. Uh, it's a group called the Madras Roundtable One. They're a, a group of people. Um, yes, as usually groups. Um, <laughs> and they, they do a lot of good work and they treat uh, comedians with a lot of uh, respect, unlike fucking Will Smith. A... I had to rope that in one. Hey. <laughs> anyway, but it was good. But I don't like Chennai. Uh, I'm sorry if you're a listener from Madras. There's some things about it. I think for me, it's more the history of going every summer, which is, of course, lovely, chilly summers for my eye checkup. And it sort of had that effect, which is long lasting. So hey, forgive me, but I have my reasons. But this group is fantastic. If uh, they were the whole of Chennai, I think I'd keep going back. But they're not. Anyway, it was a good show. Uh, I had a lovely time and I was quite very nervous, man. You know, it's kind of like uh, someone asked how the gig's going. And I said, you know, I kind of treat my shows now like how I treat my partying or my binges. It's kind of like after everyone, I need like a week to recover. So that's the same way with shows. It's just almost like, whew, I don't know if I've become more sensitive as a person, but it's just like I all overanalyze the next day. I'm like, was that joke too harsh? Was, was that statement unnecessary? Was my performance good enough? And it goes back in that same loop of how it was. But it was just that I was doing it so often before the lockdown that I kind of became numb to the idea that someone might um i might go too far with a certain joke or a certain line or it's it's weird what it's done it's made me a more sensitive human being a more caring human being a more compassionate person i don't know but i like the jokes i mean i i i i i like doing jokes that are um not offensive for the sake of being offensive but that are funny and um I think there's a balance that needs to be struck at some point in my mind and I'll reach there soon. So that's my new special which is coming out. The balance needs to be struck and uh, not comedians. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was nice. But man, you know, everything sort of goes out of sync. Like my, my stomach gets buggered. You kind of have these um, before show jitters. And I mean, it's kind of like because you haven't done it as often as you used to. You kind of have like, oh God, am I going to fucking fail? Am I going to tank? All these things. So having said that, it was a good show. I thank everyone for being there. It's not an acceptance speech. Why are you pretending like you're at the Oscars, Sandeep? I have no clue, but... It's weird that the Oscars were right up there in the news right after the war in Ukraine. So just like people talk about Western media, this is The Guardian, the newspaper and the, the, the app that I get my news from. Of course, 
it being a publication from the West. And of course, they claim to be independent journalists and journalism that is not biased. But who knows? What does that mean anymore? But what I found interesting is you have Ukraine, 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 Zelensky, Zelensky, Zelensky. Then you have Biden, 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 uh, like all in the same topic. And then suddenly Will Smith hits Chris Rock. I'm like, really, is it that important? Do we need to be giving so much attention to the Oscar ceremony? And can't it be under the media section and like some unruly um, actor, first of all, who's so-called been lifted up to a role model in society, which, of course, that itself is a glaring issue in our day and times uh, that we are giving so much importance to this industry with glamour and the glitz and all these things that are going on around that particular industry that we give importance to their their existence and their achievements and their movies can't we just take movies for movies i mean and and reward and award and celebrate and applaud good actors for what they do which is good acting i think there are really good actors in the theater as well theater i love saying it but this, I think, is, uh, of course, a symptom of the problem that we adore these people like Will Smith. Oh, my God, he's such a big, he's a larger than life character. Like, no, he's just a fucking guy who's an actor. And I think there are other people who are doing great work in entertainment as well, like uh, in the creative arts and the space that people can appreciate painters, sculptors, just like that. You have theater actors and you have screen actors. Why are we doing this? And why have we got to this place where it's such a big thing? And Man, I don't know. Am I a judge of these people? No. Uh, am I a judge of good comedy or bad comedy? No. I'm a judge of comedy that I like. But Chris Rock, I I'm, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've watched some of his specials. I think he had, he's got some funny bits about wealthy people, rich people. Like I, I don't go to him uh, for every special that he launches. I'm like, I don't go to him. I don't. He doesn't care about me. But I'm saying every special he puts out, I, I don't know. I find his voice a little irritating. And yeah, it's kind of voice gets me. And I'm, um, I don't know. For me, it's, and I think for you, it's it's your personal preference, right? Whichever comedian you like to watch, you watch. And um, I think you have every right to appreciate that. And I, I think the comedian has every right to put out stuff that their fans and they like, more importantly, that they like to put. But not none of that is debatable. I think that um, goes without saying. But, dude, I don't know, man. It's just... It's funny that he went up and slapped him. It was kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Like... Um, this guy walks up and just hits him. And I think I think at some point, I think, you know, of course, um, it goes without saying that Chris Rock has really put in his due with the number of hours he's put into comedy shows, the number of years he's put into comedy um, ideas and specials and touring and road shows. I think at some point he thought he was immune to <laughs> this. And especially at some place which is as safe in their mind in their world as a ceremony, an award ceremony, and that at that being the Oscars. And I think he didn't expect it. I don't know. There are people speculating, and of course, all that the world of the internet has exploded with memes, etc., etc. But I think at some point he thought he was, yeah, I'm sounding like him, and I'm, um, that he was beyond it. And clearly, as the old adage says, no one is bigger than their art form. And I don't know. Now other comedians are like, it's Will Smith has set a precedent for other people to come and pull a Will Smith and come and hit us. I don't know, man. I don't know. Is it going to happen? I have no clue. Um, I don't know, for the most part, what comedy has become. 
um it's almost like people are just picking up their socks saying oh you know back to normal back to the shows i don't know i think there's been a shift i think there's been a shift of course i'm not talking with the, with the woke bastards uh, they of course will keep shouting and yelling and my pronouns my this thing my sensitivity my my feelings i'm not talking about that extreme i'm not talking about that group because they'll just keep shouting in their echo chamber and keep existing and keep uh, clawing and gnawing at each other but i'm saying in general with society at large i feel there has been a shift uh, i don't know people have gone through Uh, a lot i'm talking about real people again not people on the internet i'm talking about real people who felt that they have to look at their lives have to look at what they want from life their purpose if you want to call it look at what they're doing with themselves in this life and as a result i feel there's been a fundamental almost like a what's the word i'm looking for like a a platonic yeah is it platonic no what do you call that hmm like you have the plates shifting under under us yeah that's platonic isn't it maybe it's not shifting and there's been something there and i think that was to settle still and um i feel we're going to have a new age of comedy which is going to be a nice balance where okay i'm going to tell you what i do right if you are interested and i suppose you are if you're listening to this right now and of course i'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast because it means a lot i kind of stuck to this of course Uh, there are a couple of situations right now with come when it comes to humor being a guy who is visually impaired and if you want to call me a part of the disabled community you probably can the thing with this peep this joke that chris rock did was it was attacking if you want to call it but it was making fun of a lady who's got an autoimmune disorder which le- causes hair loss and as a result she shaved her head um i'm not anyone's conscience here i'm not here to preach morality but I've always decided you know just easier because I can sleep at night to make fun of what people decide to do with their life as opposed to what they're born with. So um except for midgets I'm joking. But you know I'm not going to make fun of someone because they're fat or because they're dark or tall or thin or short or whatever it may be but if they are what they are and they decide to do something as in that's the choices they make which are their expression of how they'd want to live their life how they want to not how they've been born i think then it's fair game like it's the it's the decisions you take it's the things you say it's the experiences you want to live through um and i feel if 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 that's the case and you've kind of taken that decision and ownership on that i think it's fair game but i don't think anyone has a say on how they're born and how they look and how they are shaped or created right so i think that is something i just stay away from because i just don't want to feel like a piece of shit for doing that so that's my decision and um the situations i was talking about is sometimes of course you know on the in the heat of the moment on stage someone heckles you and that's i think in some ways i've gone a little far when it comes to taking down a heckler uh, when um but it's been mainly like kind of things as i said it's the things that they do or the things that they say that i'd pick apart and i think in some way not being able to see what they look like um is a blessing because in the heat of the moment you do say stuff that is um inappropriate out of context but at that point it works and everyone sort of in that energy together and everyone laughs and the heckler does disrupt the flow of the of the uh, performance and other people who you know come to watch the show and enjoying it get 
a little pissed off. They're like, what the fuck, man? You're not the only one here. And if you're upset, go out. Don't kind of ruin the show for us. So I understand that kind of point in time. It's fine. But I don't know. With these kind of award things, it's, I, I've heard they're so scripted. Everything has a rehearsal and a run and a rerun. So is it okay going after someone for what they look like because of a disability or a disease? I don't know. I wouldn't do it because not like I'm a saint, just that I, I've decided from early on. Of course, someone will go and look at an early tweet and say, oh, you decided to fucking be a saint on your podcast when you did this earlier. I'm like, nah, mistakes do happen. But for the most part, and I think I've been a, I have a clear track record on this, that I haven't really gone after someone's looks or body type or shape or whatever. I've called people by names, of course. I think that's fine. Yeah, that's, you. I mean, you, you, you can't, I don't know, man. I'm flawed, of course, and that's what makes life funny. And I talk about it if you come for any of my shows. And I'm not here defending Chris Rock or myself or Will Smith. Fucking uh, Will Smith um, is defending himself and apologizing. But I, I just think it's hilarious that Chris Rock didn't expect it because he's like, oh, I'm, I'm Chris Rock and I'm huge. I'm a big deal. And clearly not. But um, it's funny. It's funny that it's getting so much attention. So yeah, that's what I've decided to do, and um, I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to let me know what you think? I don't know if it's even worth talking about it, but um, yeah. There's a crazy thing which I just read um, in the Guardian again, and this is way down in the news. Will Smith, Chris Rock was way up in the news. A guy who's intellectually disabled—that's what they claim. The lawyers claim in Singapore is being hanged for drug tra- trafficking. I find this needs to be spoken about more. Like the death penalty. Singapore's claim is that we are the safest, one of the safest countries in Asia because of this policy we have of no tolerance to drugs. But the family says he's got an IQ of 69. And it's not even the joke. Uh, it's But is it? I don't know. They, they claim that he was coerced into strapping on drugs to his inner thigh, 43 grams or some amount like that. And he was put into Singapore. I don't... Put that past these evil traffickers, whether it's sex traffickers or drug traffickers. They, I don't think they have a conscience. They will use animals. They will exploit human beings. They will exploit people who, who cannot think. And I think, I don't know the whole case. This is what I'm reading. So, of course, if you don't know more about it, do let me know what the actual story is. But I just feel, man, they think a little in the gray area, Singapore. Like, I don't... I know you, you want to stand by your, oh, we're Singapore, we're clean. But I think the hypocrisy of Singapore sometimes gets me. So yeah, they're going to hang this guy for trafficking how many ever ounces of drugs. And the family says, no, he doesn't know what's going on. And I think that's a bit cruel. So that's my thing, right? Like now that kind of person needs to be protected, right? Because there are sharks out there who are going to go and exploit these people. So that's the kind of society we live in where we celebrate celebrities and we draw all our focus on them for the shit they say or the shit they don't say their behavior or lack of rather and then we kind of don't question these issues i'm sure there are groups out there um human rights groups anti-death penalty groups who are fighting for this person's um freedom but i don't think it's going to happen so what kind of society we are living in we are living in what happened here in english there clearly what kind of society are we living in is the question of the hour. Anyhow, let me know what you are thinking about these things that are going on. I'd love to hear from you. You can write in on show at gmail.com. You can drop a comment if you're listening to this on YouTube. 
and you can stay in touch. Just generally say hello and um, say hi and pass on uh, the link to this episode if you like it and you think someone you know, someone you love will like it as well. Because I've got a great guest coming up right after these few words from our sponsors. No, just me saying hello. But uh, yeah, that's something I've been thinking about. I'll tell you about that on the next episode. Anyhow, um, Mr. Subramani Lakshmi Narayanan is a gem of a human being who I got to talk to. He's a, well, he's been with the Deccan Herald for many years. He loves uh, listening to books and writing and expressing his opinions through the form of writing. So we speak about his journey as a journalist who's blind and um, his journey of losing his sight, his family, the support of his mother and his siblings and how he moved to Bangalore, how he kind of navigated the world of being a journalist before technology sort of came to his rescue and helped him explore his potential and his talent. And um, yeah, we basically talk about today's journalism and reporting and the sensationalist, um, you know, world of the media and how the news is being portrayed in its, in its, in its, I don't know if it's in its truest form, but in, in its present form. And overall, we talk about kind of how each of our stories resonate with each other and uh, how we drop, we draw some parallels. Very, very interesting that we have certain, a lot of common traits and a lot of common themes, even though we are a um, few years apart in age and we grew up in different times and also different cities. So tune in to listen to all of that because he's a fantastic human being, a lovely gentleman and a lovely speaker. So you'll enjoy this episode for sure. And I really appreciate you as always for listening. So goodbye. God bless. Take care. And catch you on the other side. Cheers. Mr. Subramani Lakshmi Narayanan, welcome to the Sopi Rao Show, sir. How are you? I'm fine, and uh, thank you for uh, having me. Uh, I've heard uh, your uh, comedy. Uh, hope uh, I kind of live up to your expectations. Uh, you know, there's no expectations in that sense because my comedy has been a bit rusty over the past two years because. Uh, I, I think you have to, uh, what's the strange thing is, especially with the online format, it really suits what we're doing now, like having a conversation remotely. But with stand-up, I've realized I have to lower my, um, I wouldn't say the quality of jokes. I, I don't want to sort of toot my own horn saying my quality is high, but I have to definitely simplify the jokes because they don't convert well to an online, <laughs> you know, meeting. Yeah. Especially when 90% yeah. of your audience are on mute and you can't see them in your case and in my case. It Absolutely. really takes away a lot of the... Uh, <laughs> now, if you, you don't know? have a response, if you didn't get a response immediately, it, it yeah. kind of it doesn't spur you into a, a comical mood. You know? Yeah, especially, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have different cues being completely uh, uh, without sight. And in my case, a predominant part of my sight being... Uh, not there. I think we have more auditory cues which keep us going, right? Whether it's yeah, in yeah, conversation. That's, uh, mine is totally auditory. You're right. Yeah. So, okay, I want to ask you since we're on this uh, topic, um, what what is your um, okay? Just for context, for people who are listening now, um, you've lived with retinitis pigmentosa for how many years? And how does and and for people who don't know what the condition is. Can you just talk a little bit about how it progressed and where your sight is today or rather lack of? Right. Well, I uh, I should say that I had uh, short sight 
or myopia uh, mm-hmm. from the age of 5 mm-hmm. and uh, those days i'm talking about the late 70s i used to go to school uh, with 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 the uh, eye glasses i was probably the only student in my class with eye glasses mm. and uh, you know i was ridiculed and bullied because uh, for glasses oh, for glasses yeah Crazy. people used to th- uh, you know just pull off the glass you know i never used to play games because you know my mother was very strict about uh, you know breaking them because i even without playing any sport i used to break them pretty <laughs> frequently and uh, uh, you know it was very costly those days to to kind of order an eye glass and get it from the uh, optician so uh, yeah. you know those were the restrictions i had but you know this kind of continued uh, till about my 16th year uh, when mm-hmm. i uh, went to uh, my doctor's office and then uh, there uh, i got uh, diagnosed Uh, of a condition called retinitis pigmentosa uh, mm. never uh, heard of this before and then the only thing that the doctor said that registered in our minds was that you're going to go blind okay and that was uh, a shocker because uh, i was uh, you know i am the oldest uh, in my uh, family and uh, mm. i have two younger brothers and a sister and uh, so there were a lot of expectations hopes and uh, you know how to carry on the on your shoulders yeah exactly the the family uh, tradition and uh, people expected me to be an account chartered accountant mm. and uh, you know i was but of course i i wasn't totally buying into that those kind of dreams because uh, i wasn't sure what i was going to do yeah but uh, the funny thing was uh, you know retinitis pigmentosa put paid to any of those uh, Uh, uh my parents aspirations not mine yeah. so uh, yeah. uh, so what happened as a result is like <clears throat> i really have to uh uh you know prepare myself for what was going to happen because it's not about the the blindness itself you know it's about preparing it's about getting yourself ready getting uh, uh mentally prepared to expect it to happen Uh, at some point in your life and did not they give you a specific time frame like a definite time like in the next 2 years no, or was it like any time no doctors couldn't give right doctors right. couldn't give which so is even more happened? scary right like if it's okay 6 months to complete blindness okay you're like you make peace at some point but if it's like it could be 6 months or 6 years that it's a little bit of um the the the, the back and forth right uh, and also was uh, it yeah, in stages yeah that's true no it was it was actually i tell you uh what was expected was that uh, it will be gradual to the extent mm-hmm. that uh, you know i should have become blind only when i was 35 40 you know right. that was that was uh, generally the 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 idea of how things would happen the but uh, right. yeah yeah the deterioration and, but the doctors were also clear that uh, because the this is genetic by nature it's like uh, imagine a wall uh you know somewhere in the middle of the wall one brick is disturbed mm. so you don't know when the wall is going to come down you know yeah. it can come down immediately it can come down brick by brick uh so it is specific to uh every individual there's no uh, pattern to this condition so as mm. a result you know i was like not sure if uh, i should be prepared to be blind immediately or later but Fortunately for me to my immense relief it happened earlier than expected mm. uh in 2 years time i was uh, blind and uh, in the last 6 months of my progress towards blindness uh, it was even more of a free fall and uh, it was quick i could what i could see 
uh, at one time would sort of progress so quickly into haziness and and uh, blurriness and complete uh, blindness um, you know so that that was how it progressed and uh, it was scary i should say it's like going um, into a, a a planetarium or a, maybe a, a film theater or cinema theater where suddenly they turn off the lights and then you don't know what to do so it was mm. uh more or less like that and uh in fact that that incident also happened in my life you know because of retinitis pigmentosa uh, uh you know it affects y- your retinal cells mm-hmm. there are this uh, rod cells and cone cells the rod mm-hmm. cells are the ones that do that kind of help you transition into uh, a brighter place into a darker place shadow to light light to yeah, shadow yeah shadow to light and and what as a result you know if you get into a, a darker place you kind of get adjusted very quickly in my case the rod cells are decaying so you don't so have I, that transition capability yes i was i would be totally blind if i go to a, a darker place that happened a couple of times even before uh, the complete blindness uh, it uh, was before the blindness right. right no the thing uh, is um it's absolutely terrifying because i can sort of relate to what you just said um but for me it wasn't as um you know stages over 6 months it was literally overnight but it wouldn't result in complete blindness it resulted in complete central vision loss but i can i want to ask you because i'm interested uh, to find out how you dealt with it because you know many times i talk to my wife and i'm like it's been 30 years since i um, you know the since the since the central vision disappeared overnight but still making peace with certain aspects of yourself because i think something which i've realized now is that the visual impairment the blindness might is one aspect of the human being but there's so many other things which are family environment individual traits and personality that also help you cope with it or rather uh, brush it under the carpet depending on the situation but i want to hear your thoughts on maybe just take take me through what that process was of how you um, did you make peace with it immediately uh, what was the sort of fears you had the process of those few months of realizing every day the sight is disappearing uh, more and more rapidly and things you could see yesterday you can't see anymore and whether that 6 month period kind of while it was terrifying in itself at that point did it prepare you for later on in life and kind of influence the the path you took well i should say that uh, naturally i wasn't sure what to expect because uh, one of the things that we don't uh, have in our society is that we don't have exposure to disability of any kind you know yeah. that's one reason why you know children grow up uh, and they become leaders they don't know how to treat a person with blindness or a mm. person with any disability uh the 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 initial or probably the 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 immediate reaction is uh, one of pity mm. and uh probably you know uh, nothing more they have nothing more to offer emotionally so i think when it happened to me it was more or less the same thing you know i wasn't sure what to expect of me uh of course in other people's estimation i was going down even uh rapidly more rapidly than my eyesight was going down you know mm. so people were like that uh, as in your emotional state no it's basically you know a person of value so oh, okay. when you have their when you have eyes you. Okay, yeah their it, perception of me okay. and basically you know what i'm capable of you know as if huh. 
one blindness has suddenly kind of robbed you of the right to be human you and know? your worth as a individual as a, as, a, as an individual and this is a very sev- this has a severe impact as a kid it can it can happen today and probably i i would have managed it better you were 16 you were in your teenage years i was 16 are, and uh, mm. formative years i wasn't sure uh, uh, you know w- what direction to take in life yeah and uh, all of a sudden you have this and then uh, you know there's one side people say that you know there's no point in you going to college or or studying uh, you know better that you stay at home and uh, be a safe yeah uh, you know be safe uh, and i was thinking you know oh, that's nuts you know you're never going to be safe in life uh, even if you have eyesight and even if you have to go around in, in the chaos that we see in india you're not going to be safe so and then if you sit at home soon that home itself starts becoming a threatening environment because of the mind playing tricks with you right absolutely yeah no so this this self worth thing anyway we'll talk about that i want to i want to understand what you felt through uh, uh, this process of understanding your self worth but if you could uh, if you could just continue with what that process well, was well i was uh, yeah yeah the six months time also coincided with my leaving school and getting into college and uh, you know in college it was all new to me it was mm. like you are kind of uh, packaged into someone different you know yeah a blind then you have to organize somebody to read books for you somebody to write your exams for you you have to record your uh, classroom lectures rather than taking notes yeah and then uh, you know surround yourself with tape record, tape uh, you know audio tapes rather than uh, uh, you know uh, notes and uh, proper paper and book so it was totally a different life and emotionally what happened to me was uh, there was no pressure to perform and uh, i Which had i was <laughs> yeah, absolutely it's a, it's a, right? it was a blessing in disguise and yeah. uh, i had my friends around me who were like you know they you know that helped i should say that uh, the friends the the company that i kept yeah. and the whole attitude that they displayed wasn't one of you know hey he's blind leave him alone that was not how it was and uh, it was the contrary you know they kind of included me in every mischief that they did be it uh, going to a movie i used to have a friend of mine you know johnny and uh, johnny was designated my narrator so he used to sit next to me and uh, especially when it is uh, a sharon stone movie Mm. I remember uh, Johnny squirming at every scene and <laughs> you know I wouldn't leave him just easy you know I you would ask him to describe detail. every juicy detail of it and Johnny nice. would really squirm because uh, it was a very quiet theater Did you so watch Basic would, Instinct by any chance <laughs> Of course that was the one I was referring to <laughs> Brilliant brilliant Uh, I, I went so to a similar experience a, a movie called uh, uh, what was the movie called it was called entity and uh, it was yeah, one of these I, oh yes, god it was yes. a lot of these Shell scenes stone uh, was uh, the sensation of that time and i guess uh, a lot of us uh, you know went after her uh, especially uh, you know these the way, the way these guys were raving about her you know i even i developed a few fantasies about her so <laughs> <laughs> so I totally totally yep. feel you yeah So that was that was a therapy for me you know it was see i feel that you know um uh, i i happen to interact a lot with uh, people from abroad especially uh, from us europe australia they talk about trauma a lot mm. and 
if you look at indian conditions we just kind of what, what do you mean by that we got, i mean i understand uh, trauma in a sense you know yeah. see suddenly you're you're getting into an unfamiliar situation there's a lot of mm. unlearning and relearning to do maybe that mm. was what i referred to as trauma but yeah. they genuinely rip themselves apart because i guess they don't have the kind of the emotional feather beds the emotional uh, support that we get in our community especially in extended families the way we grow up we don't grow up with abuse we we either grow up with a lot of love or probably the lack of it but at least that you find the space to put yourself together that i don't mm-hmm. see uh, uh, in the western countries you know Of, of course, I don't tell this to them, that. but yes. No, but it's very interesting. I, I mean, no, why I said that is because, yeah. you know, uh, so a lot of people think that, uh, you know, uh, with that, this kind of an experience, I would be traumatized or, you know, somewhat uh, emotionally uh, uh, broken or something. But I wasn't. That's mainly because, you know, uh, therapy for me happened in college. Therapy for me happened with uh, friends and... with the education that uh, that was provided and uh, also um, you know the fact that i was intellectually preoccupied with shakespeare or milton or uh, dryden or uh, you know all of those uh, things uh, it was it was i i never i wasn't a literature student to begin with but mm. w- when i encountered that world it was completely absorbing you know i completely lost myself and i and, and we used to make fun of each other you know we were uh, studying a play called edward the second mm. by uh, uh christopher marlowe i think so yeah it was christopher marlowe and then um, so you used to have duke of uh, york uh you know earl of uh, blah blah so you have all those so we used to kind of call each other the name so was, if i come from a neighborhood called parktown somebody used to call me a duke of parktown you know? <laughs> i'll call him <laughs> earl of pudupet or whatever so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so you know that was that was a very good intellectual preoccupation one good thing about my class is also that uh, they were brilliant students you know but we never took that too seriously we were working and playing uh, with equal uh, gusto you know so I should say that uh, that was a therapy that uh, that was much needed for me. Yeah, you know, it sounds like in India we have a lot of setbacks when it comes to perspective and when it comes to people devaluing your identity and your worth as an individual. That's one side I think which happens and I think that is slowly hopefully the attitude is changing. But on the other side kind of as you said this this family support which i think I, i i kind of find this an underlying theme with a lot of people i've spoken to who have different kinds of disabilities it's one member or two three members in the family who really take up for you or friends right and the kind of attitude to it in 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 that context is you know what don't um spend too much time in deconstructing or understanding your emotions but just power through and don't kind of you know this is similar i kind of resonate with what you say because my mom kind of just did that right said you know just do it and do everything you can like don't try to be i must say that my mother's the same you know she right. is the only uh, cheerleader and uh, someone who encouraged me to be who i am 
you know yeah exactly uh, and the thing uh, is uh, not to nice. kind of play the card of i can't see or the victim card if you want to call it or also kind of stand out saying you know i'm disabled but just do it just t- and in a way that may be good or maybe not good but like as an adult today in a in an environment where everyone's kind of analyzing trauma and uh, saying i'm the victim and yes you know i kind of get caught up in that trap going oh was i the victim what did i go through trauma but one thing i do want to talk to you about is how did you deal with this idea of self worth because it's something i had a tough time coping with and i kind of said oh it's my disability which is the problem and because of this thing that you're not this maybe this narrative around society saying you know what um we don't we discount you as a human being which maybe not predominant in 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 my circles but it was definitely there saying that if you want to be a part of us you have to please us so i want to understand what your approach to people pleasing and validation and self worth was you know it was part of uh, growing up i should say that uh, what also coincided with the, my disability hmm. was the fact that uh, you know i i was a, i held a very unique position in my family i have to sort of uh, resign to uh, uh, defer to the the, the elders because right. they are older than me and they are in respectable position and i have to kind of bow down and dumb down before the youngsters before they are younger to me <laughs> okay, got it <laughs> okay and right. uh, so uh, what happened was that uh, somewhere the identity as uh, this peacemaker this uh, gentle soul also sort of uh, got interchanged with disability and mm. when i started mm. to look at what i was doing in 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 the perspective of disability i was horrified i was absolutely horrified because i was taught by my family the very very family that that kind of uh, uh, wanted me to defer to them also taught me to stand up to people you know they taught me otherwise i wouldn't be learning it yeah. so it it kind of horrified me and i especially by disability was like okay there are two three perceptions about disability that kind of played out in my life number one is that you're doomed to fail if you're disabled you're doomed to fail Mm. I was furious with that and I was just wanted to break. Yeah. Okay, have I broken it completely? That's another, you know, thing, but I th- I think I ventured out to break it. I could yeah. say that safely. Number 2 is that uh, you know, you are an object of pity. Yeah. And uh, some some kind of, you know, uh okay, a, a kind of a mild ridicule you can say. Uh, mm. b- but you know, I I broke out and I smashed it down too because I told people that look, I'm not your plaything. Yeah. I'm not here uh that's why I hate the word inspiration. Yeah. I hate the word motivation. I'm not here to motivate yeah. anybody. I'm here to I'm, live. I'm here to motivate myself. Yeah, and live. It's by myself. I yeah. rediscover myself. You know, not even any of those. I I rediscover myself. Yeah. But I'm not here to please other people. You know, the the my growth trajectory in life as a human being is getting stronger with that belief. that i am nobody's plaything i'm no i'm nobody's uh, pleaser or even okay. could you say you're not even someone's cause which they feel that they need to take you up because that's, that's something which now people are like oh you know we gonna and i mean i just want to add one point if you could just talk about that while you're on uh, on this point mm-hmm. is do you feel when people look at disability maybe you or maybe people you ex- met and conversed with do you think that Oh it's great I I you know I think it's amazing you they say these words inspiring and and I don't mean this with I don't generalize at the same time I don't think that people are out to get us but sometimes I feel 
and you use this word plaything that's why i sort of interrupted you with this question is because yeah. as long as you are a cause they can take up or you are someone that they can find inspiring or motivating but within your own space once you start encroaching whether it's like you start sort of becoming um a threat to their job whether you start to sort of become cooler than them you start living your own life and doing and doing taking doing things on your own terms taking sort of yeah. thing do you think then it sort of they it changes they it changes you're you're absolutely yeah. right see i'll give you an example yeah uh i i i'm a, i i watch sports a lot i guess you you do at some level uh there's this guy called oscar pistorius Of Oscar course. Pistorius I haven't uh, bit in my know, show about him anyway yeah Exactly you know yeah. see when when he was competing uh, uh, as a as a paralympian yeah everything was okay you know he could win a gold medal nobody's going to question that the yeah. moment he switched into the mainstream the main olympics and uh, he reached uh, up to semifinals of mm. uh, of the of the 100 meters and uh, you know everybody started complaining to the uh, international uh, this is a sporting uh, uh, you know a court of some kind tri- yeah. tri- tribunal of some kind where uh, you know they're saying that he he has an unfair advantage over me and that kind of means no you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, what on. what can, so he they said he had technological advantage because you know essentially they're not able to take it they're yeah. not able to take the fact that they're getting defeated by a guy who has no legs yeah. they're not able to take that okay mm. so uh, there's another wonderful lady called Natalie Dutoit Okay. Uh, a South African uh, who who actually swam I think either that or Beijing. I think both both these happened in Beijing mm. in 2008 where uh, she she was a, a long distance swimmer. Uh, right. I need to check this but but yeah she she did it with one leg. There there's no uh, you can't get into the water with a uh, with a uh, you know prosthetics so, yeah. you can't do that. So uh you know great great people but the point is yes when the moment you kind of uh, stray into someone else's territory into and challenge lane. them yeah uh then all the the bobs the the ranch the uh, you know the the ridicule everything comes out yeah. you know oh after all he's blind he's he's only you know a person with disability uh of course i wouldn't say that it happened to me directly but yeah. well i know that uh you know i i could get yeah. the vibes no i, I would exactly say because that, it, it, it i experienced it in i told you when we spoke before this i experienced it at my radio station at the uh, in the, on some level in the stand up space people wouldn't obviously say oh you're getting shows because you're blind but there would be this thing that oh you know um i mean it, it would come across as subtle barbs and jokes and because people are like oh you can't take a joke you're a comedian kind of thing but i know and 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 just as you said such an important thing we can feel things when they're not said in the spirit of just a laugh or lightly there is an underlying kind of oh, you know what it's it, we we it, it, i don't know what the word is is it a no they won't a, say that i'll tell you they yeah. they want to be politically correct exactly so they won't yeah. say that you know look uh, you know i'm going to i'm going to make fun of you or you know they, i'm yeah. going to rant they won't do that they would be very nice to you but yeah. when when they think you're you're kind of ignorant about what's happening behind you yeah that's when they play the trick and you know that Yeah. <laughs> you know that you kind no, of No, it's a it's, it's kind of, of like a sense that. that we it can't really explain through words. It's kind of like you feel that hostility which is not really overtly expressed, but it's yes. there whether it's through actions, whether it's behind our back and or whether And these are people who would not challenge you purely on work or your your skill. Yeah. They won't compete with they can't compete with you. 
and what all mm-hmm. that they do is to you know just go behind put in a word a bad word about you to some <laughs> important people and then yeah. you know screw your day uh, yeah. <laughs> they do all that but yeah. i've come I mean, to they do, do it to everyone it. i mean that's yes. what i'm trying to say they're not they don't target people with disabilities yeah, yeah they, 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 they don't discriminate anyone. here yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the total bastards across the spectrum <laughs> yeah i know i know i, I thank thanks for that because you know uh, the very the difficult people to deal with are those who try to put on uh the air of uh, you know uh, compatibility sympathy and uh, mm. you know uh, as if i have your wellness in my mind kind and of and then slide a knife into you when you and not. then slide a knife that that kind of people are very difficult to handle and thank goodness i i kind of touch wood to this day i have not encountered such people sadly i have um but i i totally uh, respect the fact that people can be overtly you know what i'm not going to be extra nice to you i i know you have a disability i'm going to leave you be and do your thing i respect those kind of people i'm not going to be really really sort of honey coating my words while i you know while you're not looking and say you know spread stuff about i don't like that double standards hypocrisy across things now as i said it's not as i'm sure you agree it's not about disability alone it's about across the board right the the double standards i think sadly some people think that that's that's only that, that's only way they they deal with life yeah, you can't yeah. you can't help it so okay um do you feel because you you said this all happened to you in the late 80s early 90s when you got diagnosed with your eye condition when you went completely blind to college do you by any chance because i mean this is sort of 91 92 around the same time we were in different sort of parts of our life age wise but i don't know it's kind of like i want you to speculate a little bit but do you think that the lack of the internet in some ways helped you didn't help you so what is what is that like because we we didn't have computers it was cassettes it was magnifiers and even that was not technologically driven it was handheld magnifiers but in right. your case you were completely blind and so it was braille audio but while technology has advanced and helped us did you do you think the lack of the internet and social media protected you i mean i don't know sort of keep it i wouldn't say it protected but uh, it could have it could have uh, if 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 uh, the advent of internet or uh, assistive technology had happened uh, a few years prior yeah i would have probably ended up with a job much earlier in my life that was right. because that was that was a that was a obstacle that i couldn't really cross because yeah you know when you go to a a, a place especially a newspaper the first thing they ask is how do you work yeah you can't you can't see so if i kind of uh, had had the kind of things that i have today like uh, you know a computer loaded with jaws and mm. uh, a, a a mobile phone that's kind of uh, that see today i order my own food i mm. i i kind of pay my own bills and uh, i don't depend on people so much for uh, uh, anything maybe if there's a glitch in the technology i do but that's very rare it's so, gotten quite good yeah, yeah exactly yeah, so yeah. if we, if this is this had happened long back my my experience would have been different but i don't think my life would have been adversely affected or uh, you know it would have uh, uh, technology would necessarily have you know added toxicity to my life i don't think so okay so what was it like i mean gives me like a page out of your life uh, or a page a day in your life when it was were... always fighting against despair mm. you know it was like uh, you turn to any direction there are only two kinds of people you meet one 
people who would be very very uh, you know they'll 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 kind of uh, uh, you know ridicule and uh, deride uh, you know decry whatever you're trying to do mm. you can't be a journalist be very serious you know yeah be realistic realistic is a word that is kind of thrown at me uh, mercilessly uh, mm. the other kind of people you know <laughs> this is this the the bollywood these are uh, minds that kind of uh, absorbed a lot of bollywood stuff you know uh, yeah. the moment you say that i want to be a journalist they start crying i mean for god's sake <laughs> yes are you serious yeah i yeah, but i i mean i mean it man they they cried Crazy. they cried because you know look at god how cruel he is he's given you <laughs> an ambition but he has made you blind <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay that's, that's okay um, so th- that was that was like fighting your way through this uh, uh this muck. wall <laughs> yeah, yeah you could you could call it a muck absolutely yeah. like you kind of if you get out of it sane forget yeah. about successful sane you yeah. know getting out of with with your sanity intact would have been uh, a success in itself but uh, mm. but yeah but you know Sorry, i think like which town was this is a small town or was it a big chennai, city chennai chennai so it's a big city it's not like you're in some uh, yeah, village where you know, people don't have exposure conservative. chennai conservative but i'll me, tell you i've lived in chennai and bangalore i can tell you that chennai even today when it comes to attitudes to disability chennai is much more conservative than bangalore and so conservative is not a bad my, thing uh, opportunity in bangalore I mean, conservative is not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, Chennai. You always hear. I mean, for people who don't know Chennai, it's Madras. No, no, Chennai people want to protect you. See, don't okay, get me wrong. Okay. See, in a good way, go, they want to. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah, they want to. You know, oh, you, you're so nice, a boy. Why should you go and struggle as a journalist? My but question to Chennai them: Chennai produce hasn't it produced some of the most amazing? I mean, if you look at not most, uh, not all, but there are people who are who are. um intellects who are who have expanded ways of viewing the world so why is it so see weird? these are people who can kind of uh, simplify a complex idea but okay. cannot understand a simple thing mm, you know okay. see if you call that uh, i don't know uh, uh, it's it's a kind of it's a kind of a complexity in itself uh, which needs mm. uh, proper examination perhaps yeah, but i, I mean, feel that uh, no because you produce all these iit madras and all this kind of thing and so in a way what i'm trying to understand is academically the, these are definite uh, your uh, you know problem solvers you know the moment yeah. you go into an iit the yeah. first thing they would uh, show is that uh, look we have made an indigenous screen reader look i said mm. ah wow amazing but how do i use it well you try <laughs> <laughs> you know so and this is the thing right because i mean i think that's what i'm trying to get get my head around is academically chennai is produced i mean these this is the city where kids who are 8 go for iit training or whatever right and they produce the highest grades in the country some of them but there's no emotional maturity there's no emotional broad mindedness inclusion is that, is that a, see i would say that yeah. uh, see uh, i i would say that yeah people are emotionally matured i i, I must admit that uh, uh, that you know there are spaces in this city like my college for example mm. where you know people of a certain age opened up their hearts and minds and mm. they said hey what the hell if he's blind so be it you know let let him be a part of us Mm. Okay, they took they took me to hotels. They took me to restaurants. They they we kind of had uh, lunch together. Uh, we had movie uh, movies together, and uh, yeah. you know they used to go play uh, tennis, hand tennis, uh, in the backyard of the college. So I used yeah. to sit with them 
I mean, just guarding their bags. But you know, that yeah, was you were part inclusion. of it, right? Yeah. Yes. No, I totally get that. Like friends make such a big difference, and it doesn't have to be institutionalized. But like friends taking you along, and being by your side, and to have and and having your back. I think it's such a big thing, especially yes. in this environment where everyone's but, like. But you know, oh. the other problem with uh, your typical, uh, you know, professional Chenneyite. Yeah. Is that they are <laughs> like all that, responsible. Right. They're all responsible. They say they, the first thing that you go and ask them for a job, the first thing they think is that what will happen if this guy does not perform? Mm. I am I'm responsible for what he's doing, but I can't chastise him. I can't criticize him. I can't give him a dress down like I do with other people. So I can't correct him or change him. So why should I make him a part of my team? That's interesting. So that is that is uh, another way of looking at it. That's almost like the conservative, the protective thing. Exactly. Right? Like they don't exactly. Yeah. Recognize so, you as a functioning. And then member. yeah, why do why should he even go through that? So you're He's just seen happy. as the blindness. You're not seen yeah. as the other complexities are going to making you Subramani, the human being. But that, the only thing they that's see. That's why is, I said when you yeah. slide down from the value, yeah, uh, from from uh, being a worthy human being. That's yeah. what I meant because yeah. you know somewhere people think that you. Are feed worthy, you know. They'll take you to a hotel, feed you, give you, uh, uh, you know, stuff to eat, make you feel happy, but mm. you're not worthy of progress. You're just an animal, basically. You just, you just a, a glorified puppy. Yeah. Some levels. I mean, you might not um, sit on the ground. You'll sit with the, us at the table, but don't partake in our conversation don't, and pretend uh, don't that. Don't uh, This is not for you. No. We are adults talking here, so you just keep off. That's. But that I broke. That I broke. But I'm very happy to say that uh, my life circumstances weren't quite easy. Uh, Sometimes I had to be emotionally. I fell apart emotionally so many times. Mm. But I must tell you that uh, it's all worth because you know today people respect me with all my scars, and I think at some Mm. level that's what I I deserve and that's what I needed. I don't need anybody's yeah. pity. I need respect. No, the breakdown, I think, um, and this is, obviously, I, I don't want to um, sound like everything that you've been through, I've been through, but it's important to for me to recognize what you've been through and also recognize in me that it's, I think for people listening as well, that it's it's this thing of falling apart is not a bad thing because as long as you can rebuild yourself or use that experience, these are the scars that make life um truly i think i mean it's easier said than done i suppose but it makes the character that much more resilient and stronger and even more profound in some way because if you just have it all and glide through life i'm sure it's great for the people who've got no obstacles and i'm not I'm, sure. i i yeah. think that uh, you know it also comes with the kind of people that you live with i'm not talking yeah. about people that you meet because people that you meet are Anyway, uh, fleeting. Uh, you know, your yeah. acquaintance with them is is very fleeting, and probably they'll yeah. try to impress you with their best behavior. And the uh, people you live with, but I know, I think I'm going to say it's also how you live with yourself, because if you are living in denial and being a people pleaser, which I did for years, you end up becoming so torn by what's expected of you and what you're doing to get validation from outside that you kind of never address the inside you you are always kind of like kind of that that person inside is so stunted is so 
is is, is so unsure that it kind of eats you up alive and i think that's something which you recognize early on and i fortunately was able to you know truly in itself see no, no, I, myself no no i must say that the world put the mirror you know yeah, it yeah. held the mirror for me and uh, i must say that uh, uh, you know not everything about my personal life has been pleasing enough uh, for me to talk about here when well, i wouldn't like to but mm. uh, i must say that uh, what i had gone through on the personal front yeah uh it it kind of chastened me it kind of uh, of of course you know it it has also created a lot of uh debate whether you know how do you trust people i mean are you such a screw up that you know you trust the wrong kind of people all the time <laughs> uh and uh, you know uh, there are people who talk about patterns that you keep uh, trusting people and they backstab you you keep trusting mm. people and they kind of let you down let you down yeah and uh, uh, what i decided was you know there are two things that i've learned so, okay by the way i i i kind of uh, a lot of my failures in life also led led me to you know meditation uh, positive affirmation and uh, mm. you know a lot When of a lot happen? of those internal uh, this is this is i should say for about th- 12 13 years now okay and uh, you know i started off with uh, with positive affirmations and uh, the one thing that i keep telling this is before uh, 3 idiots by the way so don't confuse it with 3 idiots <laughs> uh, so i always used to <laughs> I say do i wouldn't tell uh, myself uh, this you know, all is that. well <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah all is well everything is working out for my highest good out of this situation only good will come and i'm safe yeah. i used to repeat it repeat it like 1000 times a day why mm. because you know i think you have to counter your own demons and you need yeah. any any weapon anything will do you can you need to have the courage to to go through with it so mm. that happened to me and when i when i emerged positively i would say that without not without scars but positively what i learned is that uh, you're adequate you are adequate yes you don't need another person's validation yes to be who you are you know so right. i i you know somebody says that you are you know you write he xyz is writing better than you i said you know uh, earlier subramania 15 16 years ago would have been crushed yeah but these days i say that good for you because you have better taste so go ahead and <laughs> enjoy what yeah. what the xyz is writing because i think when you're subject to someone's validation while the compliments might be good you're also subject to their manipulation because they can say stuff to keep you off balance exactly. they can uh, they can say stuff to suit them and why the and that again comes to the, you being their plaything right the puppet that is yeah, subject yeah yeah no yeah. you don't you don't let them uh, manipulate you see if you don't want to so don't expect exactly you know, well, that's my point like if you are superior making to, peace with your demons and accepting your that, strengths and your flaws you're not subject to these people and their whims and their fancies and their and their agenda right sure yeah i i see that that is something that i want to teach people mm. with disability because one of the things you know it's all easy for non one of the problem in this country is that non disabled people they generally think they know better than us mm. they know better uh, you know that teaching us how to lead our lives yeah without understanding necessarily what our unique circumstances are doing to us what mm. it is to be a uh, gradually going blind yeah see there is a difference between being birth 
blind by birth and 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 going blind at a certain age in your life there's a, there's a lot of for example i'll tell you what, how it affects me i used to have friends who are born blind you know if you let them go they walk ramrod straight yeah i can't walk i i'll stray and uh, the other problem is if i'm walking down a corridor if somebody's stopping me in the middle of the corridor and talking to me it's just very it's just very natural you know for anybody to just stop hey how are you and then you know you kind of yeah. have a chat with them yeah. and then once the chat is over they just know where the corridor is because they can see you know i don't know whether i'm actually facing down the corridor or facing the wall so i'm facing the opposite side time that know. you did have sight has not it's it's kind of, you still have a memory of vision but uh, i could totally get it i totally com- completely yeah, understand yeah so this is a kind saying. of a disorientation yes, that yes, can happen to yeah. me time and again uh, you know i'll be Which confused a person who's born blind, blind doesn't face will will not have will not feel it yeah because you know he is he's lived uh, his brain no, is kind so of so important to understand it. because this thing of losing something after recognizing what you have people think and and i'm not saying uh, it's easy being blind even for a person born with blindness but it's very difficult for someone like you who's gone completely blind after having sight and i face some of the issues which you just mentioned because of this idea of also what people think that you know in my case i use a cane now so people obviously it's an announcement saying guys get out of my way otherwise it's almost like you have to be a certain you have to have a certain look for people to treat you uh, blind you can't you know what i mean i That's i don't a, wear dark glasses for example but i yeah, carry but, a yeah, cane yes you carry a cane but what yes. i'm trying to say is like there are different things which you or and and i might be similar in approaching because of you know we might i i can't walk straight my balance is horrible but a person who's completely blind might be able to do a lot more things because the body's and the mind adapts in different ways so i think for people listening right now who might be disabled with different kinds of um maybe vision loss hearing loss or whatever the 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 disability may be i think it's important to pick up on the things you just said before we got into this uh particular space which was this idea of making and facing your demons and going through the part of falling apart and thing because if you are subject to external forces it'll always be at the mercy of their whim and fancy you know yeah and uh, and i would even say that you know uh, life is a trade off uh, when you you lose something to get something that's how it works that's that's the law of nature you know you yeah. exchange something for something and uh, if i'd lost my eyesight i i should say that i've uh, gained my ability to communicate which is fantastic for me i mean i wouldn't yeah. compromise that for anything even if somebody says that you know i'll take back your communication and give you a eyesight i would say thank you very much i'm okay the way <laughs> i am so uh, yeah, you know yeah. that's that's something that the other thing of course is that uh, uh, you emotionally fall apart and then you know you kind of betrayed by people while it is bad but i would say that you know it also teaches you something mm. it also leaves you uh with a kind of an awareness about yourself which Intuition. you otherwise yeah. wouldn't have which yeah. other, you otherwise wouldn't have you know you kind of you know the the the, the traces of a guy who who kind of uh, put a, put his charm on you and then try to you know extract uh, uh, you know uh, work in an illegal way uh, in an unethical way so you know that you know they won't pay you for the work that you do and so on so you kind of get them you smell them from a mile away so yeah so that that's what you get when you when you go through the emotional struggles it's almost like you're saying that being blind or visually impaired helps you 
open your eyes in to other parts of life <laughs> oh no uh, no yeah. no that you are you got it that's exactly yeah. what i what i've uh, been trying to say because you know yeah. intuition is very very strong you know yeah. for people with blindness yeah uh, i don't know about the other people but people with blindness i know suddenly where we uh, make a mistake is when you don't listen to the intuition when you when you don't you don't listen to that pay attention to that inner voice mm. you know you kind of uh you are actually blind when you kind of ignore and then you know just go with the flow that's that's where you you make a mistake mm. so how do you find yourself i mean because i think more and more as we speak i can resonate with everything you're saying uh because of um you know you someone would say oh sandeep but you can you're partially sighted and uh, subramani is completely blind how can you even connect but i totally connect with everything you've said so far so how how so the mistakes you made there were uh, just i'm sure there were a lot of mistakes and um as you mentioned just now those sort of strengthened certain resolve in you certain experiences made you understand and developed your intuition but try and try and paint this picture for me if you can how does someone in 90s india who has limited access to tech if there's any tech at all if you have access to that it's very limited work or decide to go into a space with traditional print media and what was it like what was what was the approach what was the course that um i mean the physical path i mean i mean the courses in the coursework yeah. the degree and also maybe the course of action that you took to get into the space and and and, and what motivated you to even think of journalism right i i should say that early on uh, in my experience as uh, uh, as a blind person uh, even before that i should say that even at school i i like to be the bearer of news mm. you know i i i remember it was uh, uh, the, the only thing that i used to enjoy a lot uh, this i've written about in my blog post as well uh, was the uh, the school assembly yeah and the reason why i used to like it because my my teacher there's a teacher who used to read the headlines aloud for us and in the morning uh, new in the in morning, morning assembly, assembly yeah. yes yeah. so i used to wait for that and then nice. uh, you know there are times this was this was uh, the early 80s when uh, news wasn't traveling that fast yeah you know so i broke the news of uh, uh, there was there was a singer in tamil called uh, uh ramaniyamal mhm bengaluru ramaniyamal and uh, uh, a devotional singer and she died and that news was read out uh, in the papers in the morning so i was the first to break that news to my mother and uh, i felt a, uh, i felt a little satisfaction when her face fell because uh, ramaniyamal used to be her favorite singer okay okay so uh, i i i used to enjoy the reaction so, uh, what that news did uh, exactly. to a person and right exactly and in 1982 Uh, in the space of 10 days uh, you know first acharya vinoba bave died uh, and uh, 10 days later or maybe 10 days earlier i don't know i, I need to check that but 10 days later i guess i leonid brozhnev the the soviet uh, uh, president who died mm. so i used to kind of tell this news to everybody who i i used to meet Right. I don't know maybe that uh, that kind of uh, a couple of my uncles remember it even today so yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah. I was I was this bearer of uh, probably bad news obituary <laughs> whatever you call it I hope you announced to your family that Sandeep Rao was also born that year <laughs> <laughs> 
Alright, yeah, I would have I would have if I had known. Yeah. If I had known I would have I would have said that. But yeah, so I yeah. I like I like uh, this this being a news bearer. So It's yeah, that just uh, what it does to people, right? Good or exactly, bad news. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But you know, while people around me looked at me differently after I lost my sight, mm. internally I was the same. Why should I be different as a 9-year-old with eyesight? Uh, and uh, different uh, as a as a, as a blind man 18 years i mean 9 years later so yeah. i don't think that changed so i guess i kind of pretty much carried on uh, you know with that idea of uh, doing something uh, that is uh, talking to people collecting information writing about it writing used to be the predominant thing you know okay. that was something that so i learned so how do you write uh, i want to understand that like uh, because did you have uh, write um, have a scribe did you Yeah, yeah, I mean okay. for the see like 1992 all those years I had yeah all the, all my colleges I had uh, scribes okay uh, people used to come down write the exam but I used to record so I had some wonderful uh, people dedicated people uh, for example I used to uh, uh, there's this lady called Mrs Sarada Sudhakar who used to come and read for me and mm. she was she, she was a uh, masters in english literature so she knew Uh, half of the text that i was that was prescribed to me right so she would take the thing home and then uh, for example if it's a novel she used to uh, ec- read the excerpts she knew exactly how to uh, kind of keep the novel's flow uh, by you know uh, cutting out all the portions that is not necessary right so she actually so, narrated like the way of an audiobook yes, sounds for example nowadays. graham yeah. green's heart of the matter is one thing that uh i i i mean she first she is such a fantastic job that i remember every word of it even today and really? uh, you know and also you know she she did uh, uh uh you know all uh, she used to teach me it was more like teaching me uh, this is like a, taking a private uh, tuition uh, mm. after my classes so that i guess uh, uh uh you know made me mentally compose my ideas and thoughts see half the writing is about composition in your mind I that happened even without me using my hands or uh, you know my my physical senses to kind of do the writing but okay after uh, I became uh, an intern with a newspaper in, in Chennai uh, I had my brother with me you know he kind of said that okay I'm going to help you launch you in your career and then I'll go back and do what I he, today he settled in Japan mm, so he spent okay. a lot of time uh, uh, you know Uh, teaching me how to use a computer how to get myself familiarized with a keyboard okay. this is without a screen reader by the way because i couldn't afford to buy one the touch right. typing right. and then you would say for example you know how to power up a system how to open a windows uh, uh, you know ms word and then you know just type And, and you have no this thing checkers. at all. You have absolutely nothing, no prompt nothing, telling you. So you just have to do my muscle memory. So if there's uh, muscle memory, absolutely. Right. I would type all the. Uh, you know, it might go wrong sometimes. Sometimes I would type. Uh, uh, you know, the paragraphs won't be properly uh, spaced out. No, all but did you ever have an instance where you would thought that you've set up everything, you've booted the computer, you've gone to this thing, the steps, <laughs> and you've typed out an entire thing, and people are like, um, uh, that didn't open. So many times. Oh, so many times. So many times. You know, I'll. I'll. Yeah. For example. uh what used to break my heart was also like you type a 600 word article and then there there'd be a power failure oh and you and didn't you save it you would have kind of failed to save it because those were the early days 
Yeah, you didn't have and, default. Uh, yeah, and the and the U, the UPS that's supposed to keep your computer on for some time would also conk off almost immediately. And you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you keep you know they say that this will this will go on for half an hour, sir. You keep this USB connected. Doesn't Correct. matter. You keep any UPS, it will go off. Yeah. So I've lost so many. Okay, those are the trials that one has to go through i guess but yeah. you know i remember every word what i typed so i it it's okay it's it's the effort but it's okay i mean i i i would yeah. do it again i mean it's a strength no but i that's that's sort of one of those things that deters me you know uh, when i'm writing is this idea of going back and revisit i mean i'm saying now with all the tech available but how does someone like uh, you say for instance you're putting together a piece and i i i think just to cover your I think it'll, you'll do better. You'll do justice to the topics you cover as a journalist. But yes. say, for instance, you're putting together a piece, like say on 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 new Apple products launched or whatever the tech may be. Mm-hmm. So you tell the story in your head. Uh, you compose the story in your head. Then you actually yeah. physically type it out nowadays. But how yeah. how does that flow continue? Because I mean, obviously, your approach is different from my approach. But there's a technique that we all, you know, we are all taught. and right. i think that works well for anyone who wants to write right first don't edit just write mm. just write you write the last word the last point mm. then uh you know you go back and do the editing see that's what stephen king would say you know stephen king has written a fantastic book called on writing yes lovely book is, i love it recommended and he says yeah. that you know if you're a writer what you do is you know you first write your door closed mm-hmm. and then you write after opening up your door the why he says that you know it's metaphorically don't let that instinct to edit take over because that will not let you complete what you're writing yeah so what you should do is that you just go with the flow just write you know and then you know you kind of get back and then uh, you know keep editing and then you know uh, with every uh, you know iteration you kind of produces a better and a better script mm. but but the first draft is always you know free flowing right so did you did you have issues because i mean you said till 16 you could see so your vocabulary and spellings and all those were good oh no there there were there were issues uh, obviously mm. you know uh i i remember th- there was a time uh, this is this is this i mean the spellings created a lot of jokes yeah tell uh, me remember, about it yeah. uh, my brother used to type it out for me for some mm. time you know so the product was launched you know instead of writing launched he wrote launched ah, and okay. uh, and of course the spell checker kind of thought it was correct and it just passed passed it by yeah and then uh, it went to my editor's desk and then uh, she started reading it the word lunch came and she started laughing out loud yeah. we were thinking you know usually we expect her to to sort of uh, you know pass some remarks that were like you're not a writer what reading what the hell are you doing you know i mean she said it with all good intent i mean yeah. she wanted me to improve as a writer that's the one yeah. person who did that and but you know when she read this she started laughing and then she she had this very loud and a and a open laugh yeah and my brother and we was uh, we both were scared we were thinking why is she laughing yeah and then she read it aloud and said the product launched 
so you went to the uh, uh, you know uh, the launch party and the lunch party and then you wrote about the lunch party and not the launch party so <laughs> i said oh yeah <laughs> right right so uh, well so yeah so these are trial and i tell you these are not initially i used to think that uh, this is only for the blind but no every journalist goes through this maybe the degree will differ maybe the for example it took a lot of time for me to understand the difference between the word aid aid mm. and aid aide mm. you know somebody is an aid to somebody mm. you know okay. so uh, you know so and so is an aid of so and so uh, an assistant a supporter help or confidant valet whatever you know that aid is different from the aid so those things happen yeah. okay and nobody is perfect i still don't know the difference by the way <laughs> <laughs> all right you just Good confused you. me even more thanks <laughs> that's my an job you know <laughs> when my when i was dating my wife um, uh, when we first started dating uh, there's that facebook messenger so we were doing long distance so i like you know flirt on on messages mm-hmm. right So I once yeah. remember saying, "Hey, if you're not careful, I'm going to stalk you." And spelled stalk S T O C K. And she replied, saying, "What do you mean stalk? I'm I'm not I'm not a broker, you know." <laughs> oh, so was, I totally uh, get you. I totally get the difference. I I I'm a horrible at spellings. And sometimes my wife just has a laugh. She's like, "Can you spell this?" I'm like, "Listen, I'm not a little child for you to play with my emotions." <laughs> no, no, no. It's no, all in happens, happens. all in fun, of course. But it's course. it's actually hilarious. Sometimes I laugh at my own spellings. It's, but um, they, no, I I really find it amazing because I think in so many ways the storytelling. That's exactly what you're doing, right? To get yes uh, to the bottom of what drives you every day. Maybe it's disability. Maybe it's tech. Maybe it's the space. But okay, before we get to the journalistic aspect of um, where we are today, what journalists do, the responsibility, the manipulation that, and the power struggle which people put on, you know, journalists and also how control in certain media houses. But before I want to talk, I, I talk talk to you about that. I want to understand what it was like um, working. I mean, you're if you're you work at the Deccan Herald, which is a really well reputed paper, and um, What is it like the 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 kind of approach to a blind man who wants to be a journalist? What was it? What was the responsibilities given to you? What was the accommodation, the assistance, etc., etc.? I I think initially uh, they were as confused as I was because you know okay uh, the boss uh, thought that this guy is good so he brought him in uh, but nobody has worked with a blind person before mm-hmm. and. you know so initially it was like okay give him some lighter stuff you know like you edit some feature article maybe you write uh, they wanted uh, initially my my job was to write a lot mm-hmm. and uh, uh, by then i had acquired uh, a, you know screen reader software so uh, i should say that uh, i was independent when it came to writing Oh, excellent. Editing okay. Or, uh, you know, performing my basic job, I was I was independent. So that uh, that they gave you at the workplace, like the company itself. I, bu- I bought it. I bought it myself. You bought it right? because, because we all uh, used the Jaws demo version for thirty minutes and kept restarting that, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, and that you cannot use more than three uh, for more than three months. That too. So yeah, you know, I've uh, done it in college when I couldn't pay for it. Just use the demo yes. version. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it it was it was funny. That's how I started basically a year yeah. before I joined Decanerol. But then what happened was like, uh, you know, see, you can't expect an organization to invest uh, just for you. Yeah. So I, I mean, it would have made sense because uh, you know, Jaws. Uh, if you buy one, it kind of uh, they give five licenses, five right. systems you can use. So if there were five blind people, it would have made sense to the organization. Mm. It was just me. So I, I was uh, thankfully for me, my brother was in Japan mm. by then. and uh, he funded it so um, so there was this, there was this installed in the system and so it was easier for me and, and till till mm. now how liberating uh, was that for you when you got a screen reader it was uh, i must tell you that you know i i tell this everywhere because this is my favorite story you know mm. uh, this was in 2003 by mm. remember i was like for about 3 to 4 years i was freelancing without a screen reader yeah Without a screen reader, well, of course, I, somebody has to correct my spelling and then put this to, uh, together. Uh, um, and there are there are editors who used to point out mistakes, and then uh, they never knew the ex- extent of my disability. But uh, but yeah, so it it was those were also kind of when I told someone that you know I can't see, then uh, he was I think is very angry. He said, you know, you have no business writing. Then why are you writing? You shouldn't be writing. Mm. and uh you know those were those things also happen but uh so i was i was like my brother's gone to japan there was nobody to assist me uh you know to check spellings and all would be very difficult for me to do the research and uh you know to to kind of substitute uh, cross check fact check all those would be very difficult yeah so that was when i wrote a brochure for a friend of mine so i had to also support myself with a bit of copywriting yeah so i wrote a brochure and uh, no he he wanted to pay me 3000 rupees for that and i said mm. uh, i have a system i i bought a system uh, uh, you know in installment uh, right. you know the celeron used to be the celeron system mm. uh, you know it has a fantastic uh, you know uh, is that the pentium celeron the pentium celeron yeah yeah, right. yeah yeah so so that was uh, uh, you know some 2000 bucks a month so i used to pay and uh, what happened was uh, i i didn't have a speaker for that so this gentleman who said he will pay me i told him just give me a speaker you know that'll help because i it saves me time anyway i'm going to buy one yeah and he he knew the electronics better so he so bought that you mean like a sound me. blaster like those yeah, it's like a sound blaster yeah, you know yeah. and then uh, uh, in fact he gave me a couple of external speakers also nice and um, and th- and then i had to visit uh, national association for the blind karnataka for something that was when i happened to meet my friend srinivasu mm. and uh, srinivasu gave me the demo version of jaws that was mm. the first time i kind of uh, it was like somebody t- uh, you know someone turned a, a light on inside my head and i <laughs> forgot that i was blind wow mm. i forgot that i was you know that's such a liberating feeling not liberating it's mm. like you know Empowering. it's the the kind of kid the kind of person inside you uh, you kind of opened the 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 jail door for him you know like he's yeah. just walked out and you know uh, it kind of it was a gush of confidence it was a gush of power that i started feeling about myself and uh, you know within a year of this i got the job so you should it's very clear that you know Uh, technology made such a huge difference in my life. Yeah, it turned and your life around because I think it just sort of 
it, it it was inevitable that you were going to do this but it just expedited the process it did and uh, thankfully for me uh the kind of field i was in uh, technology was necessary i wouldn't say that uh, you know it would be any different uh, in other fields but uh, in my field technology is very very crucial because it's you you would you wouldn't learn it at one stroke mm. i used to tell people who can see uh what it is to see the screen and read and listen to the screen reader is the crucial difference screen reader puts the focus on just one sentence or one one part of that text yeah so yeah. you wouldn't see top you wouldn't see bottom you wouldn't know for example if somebody is giving me a 500 word article yeah i wouldn't unless i kind of consciously uh, you know check the word count i wouldn't know that yeah. it's 500 i would assume that maybe it's a, it's a shorter one or maybe you know if i'm prepared uh, you know if if i know the kind of writing that a journalist or a, or a, or a writer does i probably would know but otherwise i wouldn't know mm-hmm. whereas a person who is seeing can comprehend the size just by looking yeah. at the screen uh, as a result what happens is that uh, you know sometimes this these are the early days when i never learned how to hop out how to circumvent this this issue you know you would you would leave out a couple of paragraphs below because you you never thought it even existed <laughs> and then um you know yeah. sometimes you give a headline and then uh, there there's something that's stuck on the side uh, you try to give a headline and erase it delete it and then do something and then in the process of deletion you left out a couple of words mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. all these used to be uh, creating the, its own kind of funny outcomes you know uh, for example you would say that uh, a thief escaped with a car and then while erasing you will keep with and car mm. and then car was stolen and then it will say with car so <laughs> it would be like it would be very funny and very embarrassing at times So uh, how do you keep context right because I, I, so one thing I'm interested to find out like when you're writing a piece uh, or reading a piece or reviewing a piece um and they have various things that they do you can either track changes etc cetera, etc cetera. How, how do you I mean because when when you're telling a story you have a broader picture of the narrative right yeah. uh, this is what yeah. you want the article to read like exactly. this is what and many times even the layout it's as you said it's visually determined that yeah. I want it to look like not this not so much that, of layout because uh, you know for me uh you know suppose if uh, see my gathering before even mm. i gather information uh interviews do interviews and stuff i have a format in my mind this mm-hmm. is how the article is going to be you know right uh so i i even have a certain opening sentence in mind you know and that these are stuff that you kind of keep working on for years you don't get get them right uh, initially because yeah. you know uh you kind of you kind of not prepared for any of these see uh, one of the things that i should say that you know i wanted to do journalism but i i kind of i just plunged i didn't know anything yeah. i wasn't prepared uh technically in any way so i learned all these you know on the so, job right yeah on the job on the job sometimes uh you know my editors were kind enough to you know let me know that you know you got to rewrite this yeah this is abstract this is like i i'm not able to understand any any of this so rewrite so you know writing there are three aspects to writing that i learned one is clarity second is simplicity and the third and the most important thing is 
imaginative imagination mm-hmm. and imagination you deploy figure of speech you deploy analogy analogy is my favorite yeah because uh, i was talking to a, a, a head of a, a company that sells storage devices you know like your thumb drive and stuff yeah. and uh, i he told me that you know you want to know how much data getting produced in india or in, produced in the world and then he said uh, you know if you pluck out all the tweets put them uh, in an i in ipads and then stack them up it will go up to moon and come back that mm. much of data is getting produced in a in a month or a year he said so uh, that analogy kind of stuck in my head mm. so i i guess that uh, these are the three things that you learn i mean analogy in particular won't come easily yeah because you try to describe something uh like for kind of i told you somebody turned a bulb inside my head that's how it was so it's an yeah. analogy yeah. so it, it kind of sometimes it kind of coincides it kind of sits well it fits well with your narrative sometimes you know that it's not it's it's kind of sticking out like a sore thumb so you'd probably like to slice it out and then do something else yeah with 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 your narrative so so these are experience you know you learn by experience mix i think the experience so important right it's uh, these are tips that see writing yeah. is a work in progress uh, sandeep uh, yeah. i may be ahead of somebody yeah but it doesn't mean that i have mastered writing it it never happens that way because some you know it's very subjective again you know you might like my writing mm. somebody else may not they think that you know uh, i have certain uh, standards i hold yeah. certain standards and you know if you don't live up to it uh they may not for me the very simple standard that i have is i have to communicate what what i'm thinking that's all mm. i have nothing else uh in my mind so but somebody else you know writing is looked at as something you know very special you know uh, something different I, uh, one of my friends used to say that you know either you are born with it or you're not mm mm-hmm. and i used to just uh, i i used to feel so angry about that because you know there's any skill any skill under the sun you can learn so true so you mentioned those three things right you mentioned the imagination the simplicity and the first one i forget um um which is the yeah, approach to it's, writing it's uh, it's clarity, clarity simplicity right. and imagination okay so i mean you could pretty much apply that to all forms of communication because i think that is something even you know it it, it you, you do when you're speaking because you if you just sort of start spewing words out of your face i think that's what tends to happen with i think that's where there's so much data being consumed because I people don't that, think you know, you're natural as a as a speaker hmm? see the problem with writing is that there are people who think that writing is an intellectual exercise mm-hmm. writing is cerebral yeah and then they they kind of try to use all kinds of uh, complicated words and phraseology and try to sort of uh, show that they are superior actually what, what, you know that's something around. you said earlier right where people take uh, simple ideas and make them complex but they can't exactly. express simply yeah Simp- exactly if that 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 you can you can apply that that to any anyone who takes his writing serious i don't take my writing seriously you know and also with speaking you know so if, if you notice the people who unnecessarily use flowery language it's usually when there's no stuff <laughs> ah that's another thing you know see yeah. r- what makes your writing interesting is not just words words are ornamental what makes it uh, interesting is the, the stuff ideas. that you write the idea mm-hmm. yeah. i'll tell you i'll tell you a story this is this is this i read in a book mm-hmm. you know uh 
there's a guy in the US you know is an academician who goes to a different city and he does a conference and all that and then uh, in the evening uh, he was just hanging out in the lobby of the hotel uh, and then he's joined by a woman who's got a, an extra beer and uh, sits across from him and uh, this man is thinking wow suddenly my evening you know gets interesting and then you know he drinks the uh, drink that she offers and then he falls unconscious when he wakes up he's inside his room in the bathtub filled with ice and then uh, you know uh, there's a phone call from the reception saying that uh, uh, you know are you in the bathtub yes i am don't move you know people have actually uh, made you unconscious and stolen your kidney there's an ambulance coming here so well okay. and then you know uh, that's how the story ends and uh, the guy who wrote the story says this is one of the most famous urban myths uh, you know prevailing in the us for the last 15 years mm. so he says that you tell the story to anybody and you ask them to repeat the story to some of his friends they would repeat it word by word without having to memorize anything yeah what do you think that happens because the details are spelled out yeah you know and there's a certain emotion to the story see the moment he gets up and he's in the ice tub and then uh, you know bleeding and then he gets this call saying don't move you know somebody has uh, stolen your kidney this is, it's called the kidney heist myth yeah. you know so i feel that the content is more important i'm not saying you should lie i'm not saying you should you should you should sort of sensationalize but uh, i i'll tell you i interviewed a friend of mine mm. and uh, uh, you know i'll give you a little process of how it happens uh, how i profile people yeah uh, you know so this guy spoke about he's he's, a, he's like any blind person he struggled in his life and he came up and then one thing he said kind of got stuck in my head he said that hey you know something he grew up in bangalore by the way so he said you know i have you know fallen on so many places you know i have fallen into an open uh, uh, manhole mm. i have fallen over uh, you know this uh, uh, fencing yeah uh, you know this uh, thorn fences i have fallen over bikes parked bikes um, and hurt myself and so much that my my leg is kind of crooked now mm. so i started by saying this gentleman knows the pain of falling yeah and he has fallen in so many places you know on a on a thorn of uh, uh, you know fence a thorn fence he has fallen uh, under uh, uh, inside a, an open manhole so what happens is you kind of you kind of if you're a reader you you kind of surprised because you know and then i never say that you know someone is blind i don't use that sentence i say that you know this happened to this man by the way he is also blind it happens to be not the reason i mean in yes. the sense that is the reason yes. but it's not his leading it's identity a, it's not uh, it's not his uh, identity you yes. know yes yes yeah what happens the tendency in in the media news media especially uh, the people who kind of see they always insist on putting the fact that in spite of his blindness it yes yeah, so i was going to ask you what, what what is this going on i think with a couple of things i would like to go into now is this labels um that kind of people use whether it's with the gender whether it's with disability whether it's with uh, sexual preference and kind of the media being the sort of announcers to the world picking up on it and it's become and of course i don't want to 
take away from the really good journalists out there doing really good work, be it the, be it the investigative journalists, be it the reporters reporting facts. But there is a huge trend where people are sensationalizing the the truth or hiding the truth, maybe even lying. And of course, there's a lot of other stuff which we can, it's a rabbit hole. It's called which we can, fake news. Fake news, exactly, which is being sponsored by certain institutions, etc., etc. But yes. can you guys, can we just start with this thing of dehumanizing people by using labels? And do you think as a journalist that that power lies with you and how it's being, um, you know, I wouldn't say abused, but being misused? No, I would say that, see, uh, when it came, when it comes to disability issues, I feel that uh, there's the tendency to oversimplify. Mm-hmm. When you try to oversimplify things, you know, you, you are kind of, uh, you kind of absorb all the, you know, labels, uh, you know, all, all kinds of cliches that, that you commonly see. And uh, sometimes it's it's a it's a limitation uh, on on journalists uh, because they write uh, inside a deadline. They are they have a deadline constraint. So it's it, I wouldn't say that it's it's that easy, but uh, I think people also should consciously realize that certain words, certain phraseology, certain uh, depiction, kind of turns out to be very negative. And I'll tell mm. you. I'll give you my example. Whenever I see, I I do I I do crime, editing of crime stories. Okay. And whenever I see the word victim, I just cut it off. I mean, as much mm. as possible. Uh, at least eight out of ten stories I do, I cut off the word victim. Yeah. Because victim is such a bad word. I I just I feel so. It's a it's a cringeworthy kind of a word. Like inspiration. Uh, <laughs> yes, like inspiration. You could say. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, somebody called it inspiration porn. Yeah. So it's <laughs> because yeah. you know you're you're kind of compelled to watch it like 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 the pornography. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, so I feel that uh, you have to consciously weed out this cliches. This I know that there's constraint. I'm not saying uh, that it's easy for any journalist, but I feel that you know they are they should take the responsibility to do it. Sometimes they're not even aware of it. That's the sad part. Mm. No, because the same kind of people. And uh, of course, this is, uh, you hear talking about woke culture, PC culture, and then kind of insensitive to, I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, in the process of trying to check all the boxes and not be canceled by anyone, you kind of dehumanize the word from the person. And you just say, you know what, like even the other day, I, I remember someone saying, and this is in, in the best intent. And they're like, yeah, we have a bunch of VIs who've shown up and that they mean visually impaired people. But it, it it's like how language is, you know, from no, one extreme, you have hate speech. Thing. Yeah, yes. from one side, you have hate speech. To the other side, you just make them into these abbreviations. And I don't, I'm not saying I'm I, upset I prefer or offended. being called blind. Yeah. I was going to yeah. ask you, because otherwise you're just a VI and you have like these yeah. VIs coming. VI like, is also, by the way, a, the brand name of a, uh, uh, of a telecom company so yeah no I mean this is crazy because I'm at this event for this large corporate it's World Disability Day and this MC is like oh you know we have to understand that VIs and uh, people with disabilities and all these things This they, they say it you to gotta the you got to pity them man you got yeah, to because pity it's them become you such know a, why mm. because I tell you you just choose anybody at random 
Sorry, yeah, saying- no, just what he said was these. Uh, we have to celebrate PWDs, and I'm like, what are P- PWDs? Like yeah, public works department. Yeah, <laughs> like why are I mean, we're one yeah. side trying to be Bad so roads, anal. That is. Yeah, what I mean, what are these things? It's almost like it's gone to the others. It's swinging to the other extreme. So sorry, I, I just wanted to cut you because I remembered that. No, 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 that is. Uh, I kind of, uh, I kind of, it used to annoy the hell out of me too, mm. because uh, um, you know, again, it's it's kind of you're being treated not better than a furniture mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, uh, a kind of uh, a Siam, a, a, a modern version of a Siam twin mm-hmm. or, or, or some kind of a glorified animal. But, you know, I think this is basically three things are at play here. Three or four things you could say. One is uh, ignorance, absolute ignorance. See, people who get on stage and talk, talk, mm. talk and talk, they don't do their homeworks mm. because as i said if you know that you are handling you know people and they need to be treated like people you got to first ask them how would you like to be introduced how would you like to be yeah. spoken about yeah you know i think that's a little bit of that's, that's the least they can do yeah the least they can do get to know Number the one. human being and not just the the, the labels the, yeah yeah you know number 2 First of all, people are not even curious to know what's happening to a person with disability. Person with disability, you are supposed to exist, exist, exist in the periphery. Yeah. You know, you're put in the corner. You know, that's yeah. how people think. You know, you think of anybody, you know, you, you put in, a, that's why I don't go to weddings. Mm. I don't go to weddings at all. In my family, mm. I, I kind of try, avoid, unless it happens to my own brother or yeah, <laughs> sister, yeah. I would I would go there because, you know, the first thing that happens is they put you in a corner. Mm. I hate that. Don't come in the way. Yeah. No, don't come in the don't, don't you're disturbing. You know, you're disturbing mm. other people. You know, disturbing the proceeding. I said, "What the hell? Let me disturb what I want to." Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm here to you know, I can say this to my own family, but I can't I can't do this to other people. Yeah. Know, especially when they don't want me there. Yeah. So, you know, that's another thing. So, you are easily cast aside. And suddenly, imagine if this kind of people have to be given prominence for that one day yeah people don't know how to react to it yeah so third thing is that uh, you know the f- fact that people think it's fashionable to use these you know this yeah. is this is after all the text messaging culture yeah you know you don't say oh my god you say omg smh yeah and rofl you know so this generation is like that so you can't yeah. expect anything better and the funniest thing is after all that pwds and vis and all that thing that nonsense that was going on i get a message from the same guy who is the mc slash event coordinator and he's like uh-huh. oh um, can you <laughs> issue an <laughs> mc yeah in, bo- in more ways than one he is. Um, and he's like oh can you um, someone in the audience at this company got upset with one of your jokes please can you write an apology in whatsapp i said i don't apologize for my jokes because they're jokes and then you start apologizing are. for jokes there's something clearly wrong with society and not me yes yes and i want to ask you about journalism right of course this is not generalizing um but what is the future for it with all this limitations on language on words on people getting offended on and you marry that with i don't know why i'm using this word marry so often but anyway you use that along you, you sort of place that along a society where everyone has an opinion everyone has access to tools where they can blog or they can do a podcast what is the relevance anymore because it almost feels like 
the some of the new shows are trying to go over the top like like soap operas they're trying to kind of dramatize it trying to sensationalize the news so what do you see um as a future for journalism in this country see the old journalism doesn't work because mm-hmm. you know if uh, i'll tell you this happening this my friend told me you know uh, you go to a press conference and yeah. then uh, in olden days you used to collect the information go back to your office and then type it out yeah and then it used to be published the next morning yeah. so if you if you are interested to read you would read it and uh, that's the only way you would learn about it but uh, then came the internet so what happened this guy would collect information go back to his desk and file the story which will be put online you know and then mm-hmm. uh, a copy of it would be carried the next morning uh, in the yeah. newspaper now what's happening is that there's a uh, this news anchor or uh, the news uh, uh, television news channel person yeah. who sits in the front of the uh, you know queue and then the as the person is giving the statement she types and then it gets uh, uh, you know on the television it it kind of uh, uh getting displayed there right know? the prompt so right so it's that instant mm-hmm. it's that instant so what is happening is that you are not a news messenger anymore if somebody tells me that i'm going to you know in olden days if i say this to my boss or to my my older generation of journalists they would laugh at me they would say that mm. you know your job is to just give the news just get out just now get out now is the eagerness way. to be first to reporting right Yeah so what's happening is that you need to package it with something. Mm okay. Okay with something comes okay one opinion. Mm. See people journalists uh, who the fresh the new crop of journalists they don't understand the difference between uh hard ass reporting. Yeah. And opinion opinion expressing your opinion. There used to be mm. a very clear demarcation in the past. But that's getting blurrier and blurrier. and i think it's almost gone now it's not there yeah it's not there second thing is that uh, i think in television especially the reality show is coming to have a kind of a detrimental impact on news reporting mm. you know reporting news uh, the hard news uh, i remember there was this uh, particular leader from a particular party yeah who kind of switched sides i mean it happens so many times these days that you kind of lose count but it's like uh, an ad break <laughs> yeah it's like 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 that you know yeah. and uh, you know this but this guy is, a, is this guy is a prominent guy you know this yeah. guy is from a, a maharaja family and then he's such a huge figure so you know they literally followed him step by step so it became a reality television yeah yeah like putting a camera in front of his house as he walked out you know you kind of uh, stalk him and then ask him hey hey are you really going to switch sides are you going to go to this party hey you know goading him yeah you so, know like, i i i experienced a similar kind of news reporting when they did that to malia and lalit modi and nira modi exactly it's it's exactly. kind of like okay are you what are you like because i mean what he just said is okay you report the facts this is what he's done as opposed to like you know he's walking his dog you shove a microphone in his no, face no no there's going, something called a media trial see right. there was this famous case called the jessica lal murder case mm-hmm. this happened uh, i think in the late uh, 2000s uh, early 2010s yeah um and uh, you know there was this huge debates every english channel had a debate Mm. whether the killer is manush sharma whether he should be 
hanged or uh, you know given a life sentence and that time they went to they did a mistake they went to ramjet malani and asked him because he he was representing the 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 accused yeah so there was an interview he said, he asked a very simple question now who are you to try there's the court there are yeah. laws there are set of laws yeah. that will be applied to decide what is the truth and what is not yeah you know and who are you you're you're just uh, you know just uh, holding a guy by the scruff of his neck yeah. and then uh, you know holding a media trial so the and even the jurors who are watching it will get biased because they support uh, the unbiased absolutely yeah. absolutely you know uh, and, and okay now can you say it is wrong or right we are not here to judge Mm. because you know uh, if you read john grisham you know that uh, such things happen in the us as well i mean it happens i, mean, I think we learned it from world. there especially I the media i think uh, we yeah. learn all the bad things from the us anyway yeah. so even though <laughs> there are some there good, are good things, things to learn we seem to be picking up all the bad trends <laughs> yes like and, shout uh, louder as opposed to speaking the truth i think that's become one and, of the and, things you uh, notice and use all the profanities yeah uh, which i hate actually because you know it, in my opinion if you use a profanity if you use profanity basically you don't know how to express yourself you're not intelligent enough to express yourself and you have no business holding a mic if you, if you, you know i'll i'll challenge you at that point not because i use profanity <laughs> but what i mean is <laughs> yes I, i i i know the difference of when i started out doing stand up um that it was just cool to use you know words with the, you know mf or you know whatever the word is but i've noticed sometimes a people take away from you because you curse right on stage saying oh it's not clean comedy but i've seen people who don't use a curse word no, but no, use... I'm, not moral, i'm not passing a moral judgment i'm no, no, passing I, I, no, the reason i'm not, I'm not, I'm not defending judgment. myself yeah. i'm just what i'm trying to understand is the effect it has like for instance there are some people who just use clean content and the content i mean they don't use language which is um, profanity but the concepts themselves are kind of cringe worthy but I've noticed over the years I I'm agreeing with you I I mean I'm not I'm not trying to justify but sometimes it just makes for a good punctuation and I'm just that's where I'm sort of yeah, stepping Yeah 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 use it sparingly okay be yeah, my guest I totally if you want to use it sparingly no problem I used to no use problem. it so often yes. it takes yes. away from the content and that is wrong in any language if it takes away from the idea imagine if, if take, you have to be beeped Yeah every second word if you pro, if you exactly. can curse you know Exactly that's yeah difficult absolutely because you see the value even in profanity there's value if you use it effectively it really hits hard but it if you is. use it i'll tell you a, uh, yeah. i'm going to use it this is this is from a novel that i read my favorite line yeah okay so there's an investigator and a superior officer who are having a conversation who are otherwise friends mhm so the superior officer tells the investigator that you know hey paul i know to an extent what you're trying to do but uh, you know things are getting ahead and you should arrest the guy who you suspect to be the killer then he says that you know uh, no i can't do it you know i have to go through the process because if the guy who i arrest happens to be not the killer then i'll be in trouble and then that guy gets frustrated the superior gets frustrated and said have some balls and then this guy gets angry and says f you and then uh, he says hey don't forget that you are talking to a superior officer and then he says f you sir Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that part. Yeah. See what I'm trying to say is that profanity in a context. See there's a context to what's happening here. Yeah. If you're going to use profanity in the, in a kind of context like this. I understand. But if you want to just show off that you're a cool dude. Yeah. Then it's a problem and yeah. then if you want to show that you know I I express 
my anger only this way yeah. then you're an idiot i don't yeah. i don't want to listen to anybody like that but and that's exactly why i brought that up in stand up is because that's where i was when i started off saying wait wait a second i i can hold a mic publicly and and curse to nowadays i might use it but i know why i want to use it because it might express genuine frustration anger it might even be um, as you said like in this context it may be you know for humor relief but not for shock value yeah i mean yeah. it's it's not for shock see the thing is some people combine profanity with their tendency to be uh, on a high decibel and they try yeah. to achieve the shock value but for yeah. me they hold no no absolutely no reverence or respect because you know mm. for me they have no stuff yeah. they're they're, they're it, you know that that kind of uh, uh, high decibel is like kind of uh, you know echoing which, in their uh, which head. i see you see a lot in the news programs as the louder you get they think the more the more legitimate you are i i, I know i exactly mean that i exactly yeah. mean what you're talking about because yeah. uh see first of all there is a decorum see even you and i may be debating about something you yeah. may be uh, sitting on the opposite sides but there is a decorum you know you there's turn taking you yeah. you take your turn and i'll take mine and uh, you know an intelligent debate is weighing a person's arguments against the other mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so i may not completely agree with you but if you're intelligent enough to argue cleverly yeah i would i would maybe you know admire you for that right so yeah. that nuance is getting lost in 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 this shouting matches and heckling uh, that you say it's it's very gladiatorial and uh, uh you know damaging see you damn you call a person who you don't agree with basically to heckle to kind of uh, you keep him like uh, you know you throw darts at him yeah uh, throw bobs at him and then uh, you know you have a bunch of cronies who kind of sit and ridicule him yeah that's not how you run a debate and you don't listen to that person you bring them on and you keep shouting at them they don't they don't get a chance to express themselves you can't open their them view. out yes yeah, yes which is ridiculous i mean that's and and that's the sh- you know i'm going to say it that's the shit show that a lot of new shows have become <laughs> yes and they are ranked number one what do you do yeah. for that yeah so so what would like you know as a journalist of course your 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 area of focus is tech and um stories about um no no a clarification you know it used to be my focus Uh, right it, i mean i used to actively report on a lot of technology issues uh, for mm. the herald uh, i have the privilege of uh, you know uh, re- recording and reporting how technology profoundly uh, you know impacted people uh, from smartphones to social media mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know i've written analytical articles i've written uh, opinion articles uh privacy Fantastic. privacy internet privacy is another issue that uh, and then mm. of course uh, the disability is is uh, you know the changes to the copyright law that allowed uh, access to uh, uh books for print disabled uh, something that mm-hmm. i i kind of worked on actively so Fantastic. i was That's at a vantage e-books. point yeah right. ebooks you know so i kind of uh, was at a vantage point to report on all these things but after a a, a point in time you know uh, my my services were needed at the desk so i uh-huh. kind of moved on and then uh, what i do these days is basically editing uh okay. you know uh written rewriting and editing uh, and giving headlines and uh, you know those are the, those are the major activities but of course i also do book, book reviews mm. and uh, you know Brilliant. it's kind of it's kind of more a 
a kind of a back end job but i enjoy it because it's all all the same for me no it's brilliant i i want to ask you before we wind up uh, in in a couple of minutes your favorite books but uh just in maybe i i i know it's not a subject that might be done in a few minutes but with the whole thing happening in the ukraine and with the russian forces how how much of what we're listening to maybe whether it's the the news shows the podcasts the reporting in print or online how much of it is and i i you don't have to take the question if you find it something um which is not sort of something you're familiar with or something which you don't want to talk about i'll leave it to you but how much of it is biased by the powers at play and how much of it is the truth because me sitting in bangalore i only know so much i don't know ukraine no actually it is biased at several levels you know right. the funny thing is like it is almost always biased i tell you why right uh, on one side the western western media you know tells india how to behave with russia mm-hmm. you know you are not uh, you don't you're not going to curry favor with the russians yeah. you're not going to cozy up to them because they are they are actually the aggressors there mm-hmm. you know and what do they do they are dithering because they want the russian oil because without russian gas today yeah. uh, the whole europe will be plunged in 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 total uh, cold and darkness yeah they're worried about that so you know so who are you talking to you know you're talking to people who themselves compromised and they're yeah. telling you how to behave and they they are the ones who take the moral high ground so mm. you have to have this intelligence to distinguish between you know who is telling you the truth see one side is the information itself sometimes you know uh, uh, you have the russian uh, propagandists who who tell you that uh, you know russia is holding an upper hand uh, any time they're going to uh, you know bomb out the whole uh, uh, country and then they're going to take it over mm. nobody knows the end game by the way but everybody pretends to know you know i yeah. know the end game you know putin is not going to uh, invade russia because you know invade ukraine because he he can't hold it you know he wants uh, to uh, ukraine to be a neutral power but yeah. on the other hand we also know that the russians have uh, ambitions to yeah. to kind of reconstruct the glory days of russia which is again to capture see yeah. glory days uh, quote unquote for any country is to capture the other country to capture the neighbors and then you know to expand their territory yeah to expand the territory yeah. and then you know you kind of uh, uh, show your middle finger to uh, uh, to the US and the, and the western powers yeah uh, so so you don't know which way this is headed the, the, the honest to god reality is that you don't know which way it is headed yeah i would say that you listen to podcasts and uh, uh, you know uh, news closer to the source for example mm. i w- i listen to uh, uh, you know Uh, I know I've identified certain uh, uh, journalists as uh, independent. Neutral. Yeah, it'd be good if you can give us a few sources. I think that's important uh, for me so and th- people. So there are there well. are, for example, uh, you know, European uh, 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 sources. Like there's a guy called Carl Belt. Mm. Carl Belt was a former prime minister of Sweden. Anything okay. from Sweden is good, I would say. Okay. anything from sweden because uh, except uh, ikea but we can forgive them <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's costly but it's it's still good it's it's costly that's the only thing it's costly but it's one of those things right which is like okay you know what it's you build it yourself it's i mean of course i'm not judging them they're doing great work i suppose but yes. yeah that was just some humor relief yeah, sorry yeah that's right yeah so uh, so what happens is they have done a lot of mediation 
see they they are basically uh, the journalists and and people they they kind of they take a neutral uh, independent view of the issue mm. and uh, i would say that anything that comes from from uh, uh, that country or maybe uh, uh, you know certain independent uh, uh, journalism coming from russia you know okay. uh, they're they're often quoted elsewhere you know so what are some so, of the publications online whether it's a podcast or whether it's like like the the likes of npr or any like i would like say that? npr npr i would put definitely right on top because npr okay. i have seen uh, is as as acted independently i wouldn't even say sometimes that the bbc is capable of it because okay. uh, sometimes they are not sometimes not. Uh, okay. some of those i don't subscribe to uh, i used to be their biggest uh, Uh, uh you know avid listener of bbc but not yeah. anymore but yeah and so the guardian the washington post the new york times all yes. of them are biased right they are they are they are to an mm. extent and i would say that uh, you might like to go to uh, people like uh, uh um, you know i would say uh, if you have access to financial times mm. and uh, you know to an extent uh, even economists and uh, you know people like uh, the economist newspaper they they are very good extremely good okay and uh, and uh, you know a few other publications that i might like to mention uh, uh, is that uh, you know there is uh, uh, in india this print the print dot in okay i i would i find shekhar gupta to be a very very wise and uh, a man with uh, experience mm is experienced enough to comment right because if you follow him he gives you a lot of call belt for example is his choice that i followed him and i learned that uh, you know whatever uh, you know tweets or or uh, articles that call belt would write i read because it was suggested by shekhar gupta mm-hmm. so follow the print nice so the print the economist uh, the financial times yes. you have people like in india like shekhar gupta you have people from sweden like call belt and of course we have mr subramani lakshminarayanan from the deccan herald who's also great oh, no. i um, i don't <laughs> no you're a great source of conversation sir and you're a great person to talk to i uh, see what i did there i just kind of wove in the conclusion to this <laughs> but <laughs> yes. okay g- give me a couple of your favorite books um which you've read uh, all time favorites let's go with my all time favorites okay there there are three books that i would uh, definitely consider uh, i go back to all the time one is uh, the green mile by stephen king stephen king is my all time favorite author uh-huh. anything that this guy writes i read because he writes with a certain uh, you know uh, discipline with a certain craft right. you know it's not so just the green mile words. is that the one which was made into the movie exactly okay. a lot of people remember the movie but i i mm. guess uh, uh, you know if you read the book yeah. because uh, it it talks about old age it yeah. talks about handling you know your past yeah a very powerful book i uh, okay. some people think it's overly sentimental but i don't think so it's a mm. very powerful book uh, the second book that i have is the general's daughter by nelson demille again nelson demille mm. anything that this man writes i read i i've read a few i've read the panther um yes. is, this the, the is, is this the is this the john corey series it's it's a paul brenner this is the first of the paul brenner book that's uh, a newer one right in, 1992 so it's a, it's a 1992 mm. book no nelson the demille also had the one about the uh, the one about the, the plane which the high altitude thing right what was it yeah, called yeah 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 it's called uh, uh, it's it, it's called uh, uh, mayday mayday right it's great same book one, same one. right no cuz then he had the one which the asad khalil that was the two lion and the lion's asad game asad khalil you know 
great great stories i love that i, I even love plum stories. island i think that's also nelson demille plum demille the plum island was uh, the first of the john cory series and yeah. i just uh, i just lapped up i you yeah. know what there was a time in my life i just uh, read him continuously i think uh, yeah. the time when i read it was just five books in the, uh, the john cory series before panther mm. before the lion panther. was uh, yeah the lion was the fifth great book, book. great book i i loved uh, the mayday and lion lions and game. i like scott yeah. brick who narrates Scott, a lot oh of yes stories. he's fantastic i want to get him on this podcast i'm not able to reach out to him he yeah, is he's brilliant a busy guy you know what yeah. he built a a, a, a house uh, opposite the universal studio just by reading books no what a what a life because you know for me i i like just like how you binged on on nelson demille i binged 2021 22 on wilbur smith man i i well, went through so yeah, many of that yes, person yes. and i was really sad to hear that he passed away recently but recently yes yeah so nelson demille the general's daughter i need to pick that up okay and the green yes, mile was your first one point. yeah yeah third one is a is is my favorite because you would love it uh it is uh, called one for the money by this writer called janet ivanovich mm-hmm. and this is the first uh, in what is called the stephanie plum series okay my goodness you should read this because you know it is so hilarious hilarious um, nice. the, the I'll, t- i'll give you a back story because i i mean now that you get get me started on this i need <laughs> to <laughs> uh, see what happens is uh, stephanie plum goes jobless uh, she has nothing she knows nothing she is working in a in a in a lingerie and then yeah. she goes jobless and uh, this this guy who is after her to kind of seize her car yeah this guy used to be her classmate now he's uh, working for a uh, for this company to seize uh, uh, cars with uh, unpaid uh, oh, okay you mean like a defaulter <laughs> right defaulter so she's a defaulter now she's kind of he's kind of after her uh, and she's jobless so what she does out of desperation she goes and uh, uh, signs up with uh, her cousin vincent who runs a bail bonding agency okay you know so bail bonding agency is basically when you know you go to a court and uh, they write a bail on somebody Mm-hmm. So this uh, agency will put up the money. Suppose if they give a bail for a hundred thousand dollars, yeah, uh, they the company puts it up. But the the thing is, they get ten percent mm. only when uh, they get the money back. Only when the uh, the accused uh, you know stays uh, attends the court. Uh, sometimes they just you know go missing. Yeah. So the job of a, of a, a bail bond agent is to trace them back. So they call the yeah. skip. It's called skip tracing or. Uh, uh bounty hunting yes of course yeah. that was like texas ranger that was yeah. not a so show yeah so she becomes accidentally a bounty hunter and that's hilarious because it kind of leads to a lot of uh, uh, you know out of fl situations you know comedy so of errors yeah one, yeah and then it's a story it's a serious story too it's not ev- not everything is a joke it's a, it's a serious yeah. story so a book i really loved uh, was uh, called the wilt inheritance by tom sharp i don't know if you ever read that no i think i'll make a note of it It's send quite, me uh, by uh, send me by text because I'll WhatsApp uh, it to you. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. He's uh, another. He's sort of referred to as the modern age PG Woodhouse. Um, wow! But he's yes. yeah. I read one book. I couldn't find too many on Audible, but I'll send you the link to this. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Subramani, for sharing your story and uh, sharing insights into what you've been to, uh, been through, and um, the experiences that have sort of shaped you into who you are and uh, what you do and how um you know willingly you shared everything i really respect uh 
the work that you do and um, everything that you've been through. And I think on behalf of everyone listening and myself, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And I should say that uh, any platform that that kind of talks about disability inclusion, talks about, uh, you know, issues closer to my heart, I I really respect and, uh, uh, you know, I support and also, you know, whatever way possible I kind of contribute. So thank you for having me on the show and, uh, you know, best wishes and, and, and uh, you know, best wishes to your podcast, basically. Thank you, sir. And if you could quickly tell my listeners where they can find your blog, if you can just read out the link. That would be yes, great so uh, they can follow your it's work. It's called Grappling with RP. Grappling, G-R-A-P-P-L-I-N-G, with W-I-T-H, R-P, is written out as Pigment, R-P, dot wordpress.com. And you have a book by the same name, which is also available. Yeah, it's called Lights Out. Okay. The True Story of a Man's Descent into Blindness, published by Random House. Uh, it's it's uh, actually the uh, the print kind of uh, print book is run out of uh, uh, is, uh, uh, you know print I guess I don't mm. know it's it's very rare but you definitely get a Kindle book. Lovely. So lights out. That's your book and grappling with RP dot wordpress dot com. And Fantastic. Uh, also my uh, my my podcast is also ride the learning curve. Lovely. So I'll put the links to all these three in the description and. If you um, want to reach out to Subramani, you can do so as well. So thank you again. Really uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.